Hello again, this is Joshua Fouts here with Anna Zeri. We are right now in across the river Jurua uh, in the what is known as the Centro Yorenka Antami, which is a community that has been built by the Ashininka people as a uh, resource for both their community members to um, have a place to stay when they're in the in the region as well as visitors. And we're actually staying in a pretty well-developed uh, posada that they built for guests. We each have our own rooms. We have beds with mosquito nets and showers, which is uh, pretty nice compared to where we were for the previous uh, week. What we're going to talk about on this SoundCloud recording is what we experienced on the river on our way up to and back from the Ashaninka village. We have been without internet and without cell phone uh, power for the last week or so, and so we're kind of doing a catch-up here. I did a number of recordings that are on my phone of the sounds of the river that I'll upload once we have uh, cell phone internet again, but at the, at the moment, uh, we'll have to save that for later. So the topic of this conversation that Anna and I are going to be having here is about the river. So there are two rivers that meet at the city uh, Marshal Tamuturgu. Uh, one is the river Jurua, which is a tributary of the Amazon, and the other is the river Amonia. And when we arrived a week ago, Monday, from Cruzeiro do Sul, we fortuitously met with uh, Benki, uh, Benki Pinyanku, who is one of the uh, tribal leaders. They don't actually have formal chiefs in the Ashaninka people, but he's one of the key players in the tribe, and he's the son of the sort of founding leader. And he invited us that same day to join him in his village up the river Amonia. And so what Anna and I are going to talk about are our observations on climate change, deforestation, the people we saw on the river at Amonia, and some just some general thoughts about that. So just to set the set the scene setting, Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about your memories of getting what our transportation was like up preparing to get on the uh, river Amonia to go upstream. So there were these little skips we got into, the same ones that brought us from the airport to here. Really, really basic aluminum boats with a small motor that Josh already described in the post. But the first thing, so we, we got here and it was starting to rain. And then we met Banky. He, he actually knew we were coming but it was all last minute and he had planned to go back to the aldea on that same day. So we were lucky that the time of our arrival coincided with his still being here, preparing to, to leave. And then a big rain started, a tropical storm that kept us here for a few more hours. And we, we helped them buy some gas for the transport up and decided to go to the aldea on that same night. But before going to the aldea, we had to stock up on supplies as well. And then we went to one of those floating markets on the Juruá, right in front of here, in between the Centro Iorenca and Marechal Tamaturgo. And that, that was amazing. So there are floats which are gas stations, and there are floats which are butcher shops, and the other ones that sell everything from sandals to beer and with everything in between. And we went there and we shopped for basic food stuff for the week there. And drinks, we were really concerned with the water, so we stocked up on a soda and uh, some beer for the trip. And also, we, we had to buy some plastic 
sheets to cover to cover our boats because there might be rain on the way up and rain there was and a lot and so leaving from the stores we stopped by Benki's house which was reached by it's it's in Marechal Tomaturgo but it's reachable reachable by boat as well so we stopped there on the way up the ammonia to get Celia his wife and his son uh, Pyung and the the thing that struck me was once we got in the ammonia was the amount of uh, floating pieces of wood and how shallow the river looked like and it, th that is a theme that we are going to explore later too that's related to climate change because what they're seeing is that during the dry season the river is getting shallower and shallower with the passing of the years and it so happens that these guys have to come here with the big boats just at this time of the the, the rainy season so that people can stock up on dry items and on general uh, items because after August and more or less into December or a little later, the river is not navigable or not, not uh, this town is not reachable by anything but the small, small boats. And so they, they have trouble getting big boats to here and also problems getting supplies such as uh, petroleum and anything that has to come by a big boat simply cannot come. And the, all, the only other transportation means is a small plane that goes once a day to Cruzeiro do Sul carrying six people. So we're really lucky to schedule our flights well in advance. Otherwise, we would be stuck here because it's already a little low and I don't think there are boats every day either. So this reliance on the water is something that really struck me and like how fragile that whole thing is because it's getting, it's super hot. And I think, I, I can't imagine being here when it's any warmer than this. It's insane. The animals are all stopped, and I'm going to show pictures of all these insects that are just laying around in front of my room, waiting to be pictured, but they're not moving at all, and we're barely able to move. The only things that are alive and kicking here during the day are the mosquitoes that are biting us all the time. <laughs> Everything else is stopped, and same things in, uh, happening in the river. That's what I, That was my impression on the way up. It's definitely a river river town. One of the things that's, that should be impressed upon the listeners is that Marachal Tomoturgo does not have any roads that can get to it. So the only way that the people who live here get anything is via airplane, as Anna described, and it's an airplane that is not uh, doesn't fit, doesn't transport it's goods. Cargo. It's not a cargo plane, and uh, and boats. And so they're really at the mercy of uh, of the climate conditions here, and and really to, to see these. These uh, uh, boats, these large boats, which aren't really, uh, they're not much bigger than sort of large motorboats that have basically been cleared out and are filled with, um, with uh, you know, with dry goods. But they're, they're, these aren't ships by any, any stretch of the imagination. This is a, a relatively shallow river, and it gets shallower. So then as we pass, after we acquired our goods and moved up river, up the river Ammonia, to the village, uh, the village Apiutwa, which is spelled A P is in Peter I W T X A, and you can you can see all these on our on the blog. I've, I've written about this relatively extensively over the past couple of days. But the uh, as we went up the river, one of the things that was notable uh, was that there were many of the massive Amazonian trees that you expect to see in uh, or that you've seen in pictures are 
are, are there, but 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 uh, they, their their root systems are half exposed, and they look like they're about to fall into the river at any any moment. In fact, throughout the river, the uh, there were there were fallen trees all along, and and notable as well is that the 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 boats that they took us up in were little aluminum skiffs, and they were powered by uh, basically what looked like lawnmower engines with uh, um, sort of. Uh, um, cake mixer, long extended cake mixer attachments. In fact, when we got to the village, the Ashraninka village at the end, we saw that the villagers actually took them off of the skiffs, replaced them with blades, and were using them to sort of clear cut part of the area as they were expanding their village in preparation for a, uh, a major event that was taking place at the end of June. And we'll talk about that later. But Anna had some interesting observations that I found pretty striking about uh, the significance of cattle that we saw on the river as we were riding upstream. Maybe you could tell the listeners about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so that, that's that related to the, the main people that live here. So in, in this region, uh, historically, after the there were the rubber tappers that were relocated to here, to what they, they call the Reserva uh, Estrativista. There are the indigenous people that live in some of these uh, indigenous reserves. They, they, some of them were not uh, origin, originally from this region, but were relocated here to government uh, uh, demarcated land. And there's also a group of people that are called the assentados, or on this assentamentos, or settle, settlements, also uh, brought here by the federal government. And these are people that came from the south of the country, and they were brought here with the mission to occupy this land and grow grow cows. They, they couldn't uh, explore exploit the rubber anymore at that time. And so what, what they did was simply to cut everything. That's the reason why there are not, not, not more trees. And plant grass. And then, and then the government gave them credit to buy cattle. And that's the main reason for this assodiamento uh, or the shallowing of the rivers because... With the grass, the, the trees didn't have, you didn't have any protection for this, uh, the river margins, and they just started falling off into the river. And as we go up the ammonia nowadays, you, you can clearly see a difference between the two margins. On one margin, you have the assentamentos still, and you still see cows and grass, and you see almost no trees at all, and, and, the, and the, the river bank is slowly falling down. On the other side, there's the Reserva Estrativista and uh, some of the indigenous lands, which are also being reforested now, and we, where we see these trees with the exposed roots and pieces falling off. So there's more trees on one side, but they are falling off, and there's no trees on the other side, and just cows and grass, and things are falling off too. But these people have been uh, on a reverse uh, luck. They were sued by the, this uh, Environmental Protection Agency, and now they're uh, reforesting it. So they're, with, with help of the, the Reserva Sertivista people and the, and the Indians, they are plant, replanting mahogany and cedar and all these big trees that used to be here before. So there's a plan to reforest the margins of the river in an effort to try to protect it from getting either, even shallower. And apparently it used to be way, way deeper. And they've been having, because of that, and the cutting the, the timber uh, commerce in Peru, which is where this river starts, like both, uh, the ammonia starts in Peru right at, in the middle of a tree-cutting area. All these things are causing 
these droughts, and then when, when it's the time of the, the rains, they have extensive floods. And during one of these uh, super big floods in 2007, this whole area where we are here, the Centro Yorenki, was flooded, and the trees they, they had just started planting were totally uh, devastated. So this, the Centro Yorenki Tami was uh, it's a piece of land that was that used to belong to a farmer, a cattle farmer. That was and this land was bought by the Indians after they they, they got they, they have a history of uh, fighting and, and getting uh, a lot of attention and money from uh, the government and the international communities, and they got lots of prizes for reforestation. So they they did have a a, a good income uh, source of sources of income, and they bought this land right in front of Marechal Tomaturgo, and it was just. Um, a prairie. It was a low land. The lands that have been devastated and it were used for cattle raising for many years. And in, in just five years, they, there's lots of trees here. They planted lots of things and native species. And it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, work they did. This was all lost right in the beginning. So they got the land in 2005 and in 2007 with this big flood that covered everything. All the plants, all, all the trees were dead, but they started over again. And now you see, as you see in our pictures, uh, corridors of native species and they have some uh, water ponds where they are uh, raising turtles that they are also uh, worried about repopulating this was, um, sweetwater turtles that they are growing here. It's a, it's a gorgeous place, and it's, it's supposed to be a center for teaching the people. They call Centro de Formação, or the, the formation center, where they bring t kids from the school, and they, they bring kids from abroad, and they have this uh, uh, thing with the Norway government where they got money to invest in here as well in this uh, teaching uh, center. So it's, it's a really nice place and, and an example of how they are trying to revert the situation. Same thing as the people from the Reserva Estrativista. They are trying to leave off the forest in a sustainable way, but there's still a lot of conflict and they some of them don't get along. And many years ago, there was a nice alliance of the forest, the peoples of the forest in the, in the late 80s and 90s when this whole thing started. But the thing is dwindling down a little bit right now. But... I think there's hope that they will restart it. And we had a nice conversation with Domingos today, who's the president of this Reserva Estrativista, and we were going to talk more about it later. But one other thing that struck me once we, we got to the aldea was how the, the riverbank was just a slippery slope of mud. It was terrible. So we, we got up there. It was already night. We couldn't see a thing in front of our eyes. They were driving those boats across... The, from sand banks and floating tree trunks and then we just arrived at this place that they knew was the aldea right in front of the, the place to, to go up and we, had, we were told we had to climb and it was just a, a slide of mud it was terrible we, we climbed up but the, the kids that were with Banky took our luggage because we, we wouldn't be able to, to fetch our uh, stuff up there and it was already night, so we could only see what was happening the next morning. But it was a great experience, after all. So the message is, any, anyone that doubts that uh, climate change is happening should definitely take a ride on one of these boats here. Yeah, one of the things that really struck me about that uh, as we wrap up here is the fact that these skiffs that we were taking upriver routinely uh, ran aground on sandbars. So the water is so shallow. Um, and the other thing is that the... Uh, that the actual water, that the, that the 
the ground is about 20 to 30 feet higher than the water level. And the people on our boats told us that the water level actually used to be as high as the ground. So these slippery, muddy slopes that we had to climb up to get into the village, the word in Portuguese for village is aldeia that you heard Ani using, uh, was actually where uh, the water level used to be, but has not been that way for uh, some time. So we'll talk more. Uh, maybe we'll do another SoundCloud tomorrow. We'll talk more about the uh, state of medicine and health uh, for the river dwellers, which I think is an important topic that it is sort of under under discussed, and maybe a little bit about our observations in the village. Until then, we'll wrap up this SoundCloud entry and look forward to talking with you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.